we're going to start enforcing A, B, and C because things kind of slide. You know, if you let them, things will kind of slide and then you know, the standards of the neighborhood might start to slip a little bit. There's an entire generation of Americans who no longer care about prestige, titles, work travel, fancy offices, and lunches. Welcome to Mundane Millionaires, a podcast for this generation of small business owners who want to set their ego aside and focus on what matters, family, community, quality of life, and cash flows. In each episode, Eric Pasifici and Kevin Henderson uncover what it takes to get a little money in the bank, control your time, and invest in building great families and lives. Let's get started. All right, Kev. So we had Mr. Reply Guy himself, the uh, the ultimate reply guy, Dave Housley, on the pod. It was a fun conversation. Dave is sneakily a, a great business guy, right? And I don't mean sneakily, it's just in the you know in the sense that it should be surprising. He just doesn't talk about it much, uh, yeah, on social media and his public presence, and he kind of gets into why that is. But fun conversation. Yeah, really great conversation. I I enjoyed. Hearing about it, it's a business I don't know a lot about. The you'll listeners will 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 hear more as we dig into the episode. But Dave and a couple of partners run an HOA management company, so we we hit you know HOAs, good or bad, you know, kind of their their approach to to managing HOAs and how they how they built. They were not ETA entrepreneurs; they're kind of classic startup entrepreneurs, and so he. He walks through a bit of the strategy of how they did that and bridged from their their careers to to the startup and just the a, a really fascinating conversation about a, a business you don't you don't think a lot about. A lot of people hate HOAs, but don't think much about how they're managed. So I think I think the listeners are going to enjoy this one. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit because I've had some interesting HOA you know snafus in the past with Keurig cups and things I've talked about publicly. My local <laughs> HOA maybe being a little bit too generous with our funds, but I, but I also am an otherwise massive proponent for HOAs, at least in certain context, right? I mean, I kind of get the, like, as a man, I kind of get the, like, go out there and have your own homestead and nobody tells you what to do with your land concept. Like, I appreciate that. But also when you live in like suburban Orlando, you know, and you've got golf courses and boat ramps and, you know, tennis courts and amenities, like, you know, that's, that's a pretty cool thing too. And somebody's got to, somebody's got to take care of that. So Dave is, I, you know, jokingly, I'd say this is the world's most mundane man, but I don't know if it's a joke, Kevin, because I went through his, his most prolific tweets of all time. And like the one that jumped out at me that's hilarious is my thermostat is set at, what is your thermostat set at? Me? 68 degrees. And then everybody's commenting like, 72, 73, you know, I'm just like, that is the most mundane tweet I think I've ever seen. I uh, love that. So such a fun conversation, such a, such a, such a fun guy. Yeah, no, for sure. I think everyone will enjoy it. So let's dig in. Enjoy this week's episode of Mundane Millionaires. Hello, David. It's fi- good to finally, good to finally speak with you. Hey, good morning. Is this episode sponsored by Chick-fil-A? <laughs> I wish. Hot damn, they'd pay a lot of money. So you guys are going to, I'm going to take a lot of shit for this. So let's start with a hot take right off, right off the top. We just got a new Chick-fil-A. I'm eating a chicken sandwich, so I sound disgusting in my mic. So apologies to everybody who's listening to this, if anybody even is. 
But we just got a new Chick-fil-A about a quarter of a mile from where I work. There's also a McDonald's there. The Chick-fil-A now has a massive line, which means the McDonald's has no line, which I'll take as, as a indirect win. So this is, in fact, a McDonald's chicken sandwich. I don't know if that's sacrilege. Oh, is it any good? That's pretty good. <laughs> I'm not complaining. No. Are you? You look like a guy who enjoys a chicken sandwich, Dave. Uh, you got that right. <laughs> a chicken sandwich, a ham sandwich, a turkey sandwich. Anything between two pieces of bread, you know. You, <laughs> you name it. No, I, 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 uh, I thought this might be something where I have to wear a hat, so I got my hat ready. This yeah, says, this I'm says, no hat today. No hat. Go, go fix that. This says um, Idaho State of Mind. One of my buddies is uh, he's kind of helping out with this new company. So I'm going to represent that today. Yeah, I, I took my son to a uh, private school tour today, um, begging these people to take my two children for 50000 a year. You know, whatever it is, it's absurd. But um, you can drop them off at my place in Dallas for 50K a year, bro. <laughs> my, my kids will teach them. Hey, I'm going to say the, this is the only nice thing I'm ever going to say to you, and it's not about you. If my kids turn out half as good as your kids, it'd be worth every penny. But um, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely not me. You make me work too much, so it's mostly my wife. So I am Santa. How, how old are your kids, Eric? Um, I have a two-year-old. He turned two in May, and then I have a, a four-year-old who will turn five in August. So we're currently looking at kindergarten for the five-year-old next fall, and. Pre-K three for the two-year-old next fall, also, and the private school thing, guys. Kevin, your kids went to public, correct? And David, how many kids do you have? Four. And public? All public. All public. So I'm in Florida, and as you guys know, there's varying levels of quality of education in Florida. We actually have pretty decent public schools, but then you got to deal with the the parents and whatever else. So we're looking at private schools. And, it, and it's different now, guys, right? Like post-COVID world, like people were at each other's throats for, and you guys know this, right? For two years. And I don't, I don't know that it, the, like the civil discourse has recovered at a micro level. So it feels like private is at least something worth looking at. But it's, dude, it's 50, like no joke for two kids to a private school is between forty and fifty thousand dollars a year, and so you can't get them in. So that's actually why we moved, Eric. As you recall, back when we worked together here in Dallas, I lived in a different part of the Metroplex, um, and we ended up moving. We weren't super happy with the schools, and so we started looking at some of the private schools that are popular in Dallas. And my mind was completely blown. We have three school age kids, so it would have been between depending on the year 80 to a hundred thousand dollars to send the three of them you know yeah. maybe some some you know a, a thousand or two thousand bucks off here or there if you have three kids right like the multi-line discount or something like that 
And it just, I, the, it, it didn't make any sense. It made way more sense to move across the Metroplex to a better district, buy a more expensive house to get in the better district. And, and you know, we, we come out way ahead, um, at least in my opinion. I'm, I'm a big advocate for public school, so that's a different topic for a different time. And beyond the scope of mundane millionaires. Yeah. Please tell me you're not one of these, like, someone's got to lead the charge and, and- use my kids as guinea pigs so that everybody else absolutely eric in fact in fact i don't (laughs) protest my tax property bill i kick in a little sweetener i pay a bonus every year a little extra i love that you're like hey if you need my kids to come down to the city hall and like pick up used needles from the bums like i'm your guy it looks like he doesn't believe me (laughs) yeah come on come on no the Your, um, your kids are older right my kids yeah I've got a nine-year-old, a 15-year-old, 19, and 21. I love that you didn't do them in – did you do that in chronological order? Yeah, 9, 15, 19, 21. Okay, all right. I thought you were just throwing them out there as you were like – they were coming to your mind. You are like, just, uh just – well, list- Just for our <laughs> listeners, I want to be clear. Eric does not do – got a nine-year-old. <laughs> Which I wish I so the backstory on this chicken sandwich. I wish I didn't have this chicken sandwich near me as I was on a video watching the chick the, eating a chicken sandwich one time. And and David has his background as me eating this chicken sandwich. I won't put it on the screen because kill people's appetites. But is he, oh. you, this is the, you guys. This is the first time that no, this is not the first time we've spoken. We've spoken multiple times. Yeah, we've talked on the phone before. Um. Yeah. I've had conversations with Kevin too, so but but in this in this format this is the uh this is the first time. Yeah, this is the, uh, this is the serious format where we I mean, yeah. we're being a little too lowbrow guys. We got we, we got to clean this up and let's start from the uh from the beginning, Dave. When and where were you born? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. But what but, the hell do you even do? Okay. Yeah, I mean, what I do, I want to get into that because I feel like if you guys are fans, I always quote The Office, but there's a television show called The Office. He goes on a blind date. She's a landlord and he's super bored with her. And she's like, and he's like, so you take, he's trying to make conversations. Like, so you take the rent checks. And then what do you like? She's like, are you asking what I do with the rent checks? I have no idea what you do, Dave. <laughs> I have no way, no idea this conversation. So, so. I mean, you you live in an HOA. I mean, you've posted that the HOA spent seven thousand dollars on coffee, right? Don't you live in one of those associations? I do, I do, and I love it. I'm a, I'm big big pro HOA guy. Before Nick Huber and his pro HOA tweet, three weeks before that uh, was my tweet. We'll have Nick on soon. I, I, I love, I'm a big fan of Nick, but um, was my tweet saying almost the exact same thing about being pro HOA. So I am. Definitively pro HOA. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so we manage HOAs, right? Anything from you know a fifty-unit condo community to a three-thousand home, you know, single-family home community. Um, and so all the services that are involved with that, you know, from the condo side of the single-family home, we're in charge of managing those services. Uh, so if you have a pool, if you have even an exercise room, if you've got uh, a community that's gated 100% or just access to some of those amenities, 
So we're going to manage all of the access for that. Uh, we are going to send out all the, the bills that you get for your dues. Some of these are quarterly assessments or semi-annual or annual. So we'll send out the statements for those and then collect on that. Um, and so what we do is we collect the money for the HOA. Most people pay, some do not. If you don't pay, then we're going to send you a couple more letters. Um, and then there's some steps we can take to escalate that if you still do not pay or, or um, you know, if, if let's say you're at, you have a financial hardship, you can call us up and say, hey, can I get on a payment plan uh, so I can catch back up? So we'll administer that as well. So those, those are the things that we do. We manage all the vendors from the landscaping to uh, the pool maintenance um, to um, any gate repairs, any other kind of, um, you know, structural um, maintenance or, or repairs. We manage all that, too. And, and how big is your operation? Is it, yeah, what, what type so of company? So we have about 30 employees now. Okay. Um, last year, we did a little bit more than $3 million in revenue. Okay, and you, it's it's your company, or what's that? What's your set? So I've got I've got two partners. So we started it. Uh, I've got two partners with me. We started this business in 2016. Uh, we are predominantly in San Antonio. Uh, we do have some uh, properties in Austin, and we're slowly expanding up north along that corridor. You know, as you look at New Braunfels and San Marcos and those towns that go up through there. Um, that's kind of where we want to expand up to, and then and then more so into Austin. Uh, that's kind of our um, uh, our goal here in the in the near term. And is that is that an easy business to get into? I mean, getting your first client as an HOA management, like how how do you start a company like that? Yeah, that's a good question. So we started actually by going to a developer. Um, so our business, uh, we have kind of two segments of clients. Uh, we've got the developers, the builders, uh, those who are building, you know, the brand new communities. We have about 25% of our business uh, with uh, developers. And most of these are, are large um, national companies, KB Home, Pulte, Lennar. Um, so when, they, when they're putting the community together, uh, they need somebody to come in and establish uh, the HOA, you know, right from the start. Uh, so we'll come in and partner with them. Um, but that's that's kind of how we started our business. We went to a builder and said, we want your business and we're going to do it for free. Oh, wow. Um, and that and that was kind of uh, it's kind of a revolutionary thing, because uh, now when I say we're going to do it for free, we're not going to charge the builder a management fee up front until um, a critical mass gets on the board. Um, so typically, the builders will maintain control of the homeowner boards until anywhere from sixty-six percent build out to a hundred percent. You know, we've got some builders; they like to wait till a hundred percent build out, then they'll turn it over uh, and bring their first homeowner on to the board. Uh, they want to maintain that control all the way to the end. Um, but some of our builders at 66%, they'll put a homeowner on the board and then kind of get them uh, up to speed, so, if you will, um, in kind of the, the operational aspects, what's happening, um, you know, how to be a board member, kind of bring them along. 
Um, so we wanted to give away the service for free up front for this developer um, and then um, only collect when homes are sold and then as soon as it's as soon as it's homeowner controlled then we'd start charging a, a management fee and is that is that um obviously share as much as you feel comfortable here is that yeah. part of the ongoing model now or was that really only it's, the startup strategy and yeah, now you do something different yeah that's a good question so it's kind of a mix okay um, for some of our partners that have been with us since the beginning uh we still offer that for them um and then for some of our new communities um you know we you know it's just a case by case thing um typically a management company might charge anywhere from $500 to $800 a month per community okay. for uh, management fee you know it's not a whole lot you're not you're not doing a whole lot until you've got homes built in the neighborhood yeah there's there's not a whole lot going on um but then when you know when infrastructure gets built and homes get built and there's collections to make and and then there's um you know there then there's violations to do so you know one of our jobs is to drive the neighborhoods right drive the neighborhoods making sure that um standards are being met uh, by the residents um and right. if if somebody's not um, adhering to the standards uh that the board wants to to enforce then then we do have to send violation letters uh you know this this is this is the one thing that upsets people more than anything else um you know these are these are generally just courtesy letters just says hey you know your grass is two feet tall we need you to cut it kind of thing right. um so you love those yeah. letters Don't, oh yeah yeah i mean it's, it's nothing more work. than that it's, so he gets this little work he's like and, and then we send the letters <laughs> like well me, it's Talk about you know we don't love sending the letters, Kevin. Sometimes the letters are just about you. You love the letters. Well, it's it's a love hate thing. I mean, <laughs> the more letters that we send, the more our phones are going to ring, and we're going to get you know yeah. people are just going to light us up, right? Wait, so but what's the relationship between the HOA management team and the actual board? Right, because okay, so so every neighborhood has a board of directors. I mean, every every association essentially is uh, it's a corporation, right? And and they have a board of directors. It could be anywhere from three to five to seven people. And so the board has to um, oversee uh, and make decisions based on on all the residents, right? Um, and so what they'll do is is oftentimes they'll go out and they'll hire uh, a professional management company such as ours, right? It, I mean, there still are lots of HOAs that are self-managed. Um, they'll either have to hire directly um, staff themselves um, to help in the management or the, or, or the board will just do it themselves or if it's just a, a small HOA uh, where there's not a whole lot of, uh, you know, complex organizational needs, then, you know, then you don't really need an, uh, an outside management firm. Um, like for our company, uh, for single family homes, we like to look at a neighborhood that's at least 300 homes and up. Um, you know, we get requests all the time from really small uh, properties that might be 80, 90, 100 homes. 
uh, and it just doesn't make sense. I mean, we have a we have a minimum free we have a minimum fee, and 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 a lot of times some of these uh, communities that are so small, um, they don't have the need, and they don't really have the 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 finance the the financial strength to to go out and, and hire an outside management company. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our HOA here, I think, is. 24 houses. It's tiny. We self-manage. It's a really low fee. It doesn't do much. Um, So I I could see how a neighborhood like ours just wouldn't, wouldn't, I mean, the numbers aren't there. I think all, I think I pay like $140 a year or something. Right. I mean, there's, there's yeah, that's pretty low. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's just, you know, you're not bringing in enough revenue to really, um, you know, it doesn't make sense. And, and, And if you don't have you know, if you don't have a pool, if you don't have common areas, playgrounds, things like that, areas to maintain, there's not a whole lot of work that's needed. Um, yeah. so. Well, so let me let me share my screen. Um, yeah. it, it, so I got in trouble locally for tweeting about our HOA. Oh, and really? I, you know, well, yeah, people were like, you're the cheering guy. I'm like, <laughs> like, quit stealing the pots. Um, <laughs> I mean, guys, these tweets, like, if, you, if you're not somebody with a large Twitter account, it's hard to, it's hard to appreciate how far these tweets travel. Yeah. And so I tweeted about RHOA. Let me see if I can find it here. Yeah, here it is right here. They had budgeted $1,000 for Keurig cups, replenishment of Town Square coffee bar. They spent seventy two hundred ninety four dollars, and so in twenty twenty three they budgeted forty two fifty as like the replacement cost. I don't know what there was a strategic plan there to reduce the coffee consumption. A four hundred and twenty five percent increase is pretty healthy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> like the thinking behind the coffee is beautiful. Uh, but Huber had this amazing, and I want to point out. So I tweeted on. I want this on the record. I tweeted on May 4th that HOAs are awesome and I wouldn't live outside one. So I went on record. I got a lot of disagreement. And then Hubert, you know, whatever, 20 days later, he magically took the same take. But it's an amazing take, right? Uh, And he got blasted. I mean, 11.8 million uh, views. It's an an interesting thing. I... um, uh, and let me stop sharing screen here. But um, I had no idea HOA was so controversial, right? To me, I'm like, well, we got boat ramps. We got swimming pools. We got walking trails. We got and, – and I know that Karen's roving around on golf carts yelling at people. But um, the upside of living in a beautiful curated neighborhood, what's that to love? How, well, how, if, how big's your neighborhood? Like how many homes? You know, I don't know the answer to that. I want to say somewhere like 750 sounds right. Um, it's a pretty big neighborhood. Yeah. And and how – I mean, that's a lots of love for the coffee cups. I'm just like, how many <laughs> how many coffee cups per day are these people consuming? I don't – it's not Dave, that's, sense. Yeah, that's cute that you think all that money was actually spent on coffee cups. But uh, Well, and that's what a lot of people are like, hey, this is – there's embezzlement going on here. And I'm like, I, you know, that's a, that is a weighty charge, right? That is – anytime you accuse somebody of no, for sure. anything, for I mean, sure. if there's only a criminal, you got you want to pause first. Uh, I think that the reality is we're back behind Disney. We've got a really active HOA management 
local management team. We're actually managed by First Service Residential, which I think is a big, okay. a big, yeah, a big yeah. corporate guy. But our our local team is like all Disney people, right? Like, and so they're amazing. We have these. Uh, we have a Fourth of July fireworks show coming up, and a Christmas party. And when you go into the clubhouse, two clubhouses, it's like a party going on all the time, right? And that's cool. Like, I, I like that. But you go into it and you're like, okay, it makes sense. The seven thousand dollars worth of coffee got drank in here because people are partying. Um, but you gotta want that, right? I guess if you want to live in the woods. And Kevin told me the other day we had a uh, sandhill crane. I don't know if you're familiar with sandhill crane. Can I tell him about the sandhill crane, Kevin? Yeah, go, go for it. We had an injured sandhill crane, baby sandhill crane. These birds are majestic, right? And people in Texas call them the flame mignon of the sky. What do they call it? Ribeye the, the, ri- the ribeye of the sky. Really? So they, mm. You guys eat them because you guys will literally eat anything that has meat on the bone. <laughs> and But we, we get so periodically throughout like the spring and summer, we'll, the, the pairs, because they're, they're, they travel in mates. I don't know if they're exclusive or whatever, but there's two of them together all the time. They have babies and they're beautiful. And they're the little ducklings and they go do, 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 do. And you kind of watch them because they don't go very far. You know, they're, they're meandering around. And one of the juveniles who's now almost full grown had a broken leg, one of his two legs. And so he's hopping. And so we spent like entirely too much time trying to figure out what to do for the Sandhill crane. Cause it was sad, right? The family and the other baby are like, you know, 15 or so yards away. Kevin says to me, if you, the quote was, if you weren't such a beta in Florida, you'd shoot that bird. <laughs> so I, I, think, fact say that. I have like six or seven anonymous Twitter accounts that are beta in Florida now. So if you see that, that's, that's me. <laughs> Those are my burners. Yeah. yeah, but your HOA wouldn't it. let you discharge a firearm uh, within the within the limits so do do? i don't know if they have gun restrictions do hoas have gun restrictions Dave? is that uh i haven't seen that yeah I no i've never seen, seen one it'd be a it'd be a municipal municipal thing yeah but, uh, yeah you know i i'm so i'm a southern california native um mm-hmm. somewhat outspoken for being a, a texas resident but um i mean HOAs there get a bad rap, right? Because you see the pendulum swing the other way, right? Like my brother literally lived in a neighborhood. I think he was paying somewhere upwards of $1,200 a month in HOA and Melrose fees. And their enforcement person literally drove around on a golf cart with a cane with a, a ruler taped to the bottom. And she would drive down the sidewalk and stick it in the grass and see if the grass was over the two inch limit. And then she would stop and write the citation. Right. Um, And so it's, you know, I I grew up in a town of those stories, which is like the, the corollary to the, you know, pro HOA that it's like also, you know, HOA is like, um, you know, uh, home, home governance run amok. So I guess where I'm going with that, Dave, like, how do you balance that? And is that, is that type of thing, enforcement and things like that, kind of at the discretion of a management company like, like yours? Or are you really taking direction from the board in the neighborhood? And if they're like, 
no, we we want citations if grass is a half an inch over the the two inch limit or whatever, and and you kind of are beholden to what they ask you to do. Yeah, we take our direction from the board. Yeah, um, you know they're they're the ones that uh, can hire and fire us, and so we definitely are gonna <laughs> try fair. and. Um, you know, we're going to try and, uh, keep them happy while at the same point, you know, not, not upsetting too many, um, of the residents. Um, but it, it just goes neighborhood by neighborhood. Um, especially if, if we come in brand new as a management company, sometimes the boards will use that as a, um, kind of as as a line in the sand that says okay we're gonna we got a new management company coming on um we're gonna start enforcing a b and c um because things kind of slide you know if you let them things will kind of slide and then you know the standards of the neighborhood might start to slip a little bit and then and then you've got people that will get upset on the other side you know because um you got some you got some neighbors that you know have a lot of time on their hands Yep. And and they're nosing around and so they'll be, you know, they'll show up to the to the board meetings and the annual meetings and say, Hey, you've got to cut this tree back or um, you know, my guy across the street, he's leaving his car on the street every night. Um, you know, you've got to you know, so some people are particular and they want these things enforced. Um, but it really is it it goes board by board. Um, and they'll say, Hey, you know, when the springtime rolls around and we get lots of rain and the grass starts growing, they'll be like, "Okay, we've got to start cracking down on yard maintenance and get people to to uh, to get out and take care of things." And so we want you to, you know, your next drive, we want you to really look for this or look for that. Um, yeah. So it, know, it feels it, like it's got to be the ultimate thankless job, right? Oh, it is. It is. The and, the, and the thing is, is we're we're trying to. The management team has been doing such a good job lately. That grass has been cut on schedule the way that it's supposed to be. And I have nothing bad to say about them, right? It's got to be something where it's, it's no news is good news in HOA management. Yeah, it is. It is. And the, and the, the thing is, is 90% of people, you're never going to hear from them. You know, I mean, I live, I live in, H, in an HOA. And I, we've been in our home here for seven years. And I can count on one hand, you know, how many emails I've sent to the management company or how many times I've called them, you know, on one hand, I could, I could count in, in seven years. And so, you know, 90% plus folks, you're not ever going to hear from them. Um, you're going to hear from, you know, that, that small five or 10% that, yeah, that are particular and, and um, you know, and, and want things done their way too, right? Um, you know, they they you, you know you might have a, a common area fence that you know might have a, a picket or two that's fallen off, and they're like, hey, why haven't we repaired that? You know, or 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 the the fence needs to be painted again. Why can't we you know send somebody out there and do that? Um, and so people just have different ideas. Yeah. Uh, for 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 different you know especially when it comes to kind of the common areas. So it, it, it certainly is interesting because you're dealing with people and, and people, um, 
can get a little nuts sometimes. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, that's the word. I mean, you talk about B2C being a, a pain, right? You are like, not that you're beyond, you're B to Karen. You're like, you're direct, you're working directly with and for the Karens. Uh, it's intense. Well, maybe that's not a fair way to characterize it. I, you know, I'm one of those people too. I'm, I'm one of the, you, you'd never hear from me people. I had a neighbor, we backed up to a green belt in my last house and my next door neighbor, man, every time I talk to this guy, every single time he'd bitch about the the landscaping in the common area in the green belt behind our house. And I was just like, Eric, like, I got it, dude. His name is Eric also. I'm like, I got it, man. Like, you're you're disappointed with the, you know, you know every, every time. And I just couldn't imagine waking up every morning just, you know, he just punched, probably punched the nightstand be like, him fixed it, you know? Um what a just a tough job, but so I, I tweeted out a few minutes ago. I said we're talking to, to Dave Housley on the pod. What should we ask him? Somebody had, had astutely said, you know, give us your um, craziest HOA stories. I mean, what kinds of things have you seen in HOA management? There's got to be some stuff. People even um, boats parked. In I the- mean, there's there's some crazy stuff, and I get real nervous about hey. How much can I share? You know, this stuff can get out in the in the public realm, and people can you know people can find who our company is and and stuff like that. So, I don't want to I don't want to get myself in too much trouble. Um, but it's funny we've had we've had some people um, actually <clears throat> actually propose. You know, hey, you're living in an HOA, right? And you've got rules and you got standards you want to uphold. We've had some people actually propose, hey, let's just not write violations anymore and let people just do whatever they want with the property that they live on. You know, it's just like <laughs> – just like turn it into the Wild West. Just let well, it – Well, there's a good – yeah, there's a, there's a good number of people who will be listening to this, Dave, will say what's, what's so yeah. bad about that. Yeah, 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 exactly. And the thing is, is – even though I own an HOA management company and I live in an HOA, it's not for everybody. Um, and that's the thing is, is you can choose if you want to live in one or not, you can choose. Um, and, you know, it's crazy because there's really not an easy way to find out, you know, before you buy into a property, into a neighborhood, there's, there's really not a good way to find out, hey, is – is you know are my neighbors crazy? Um, is is the board is the board dysfunctional? Um, you know, and sometimes that happens. I mean, you get you get three five people on a board; they're not going to always agree. Um, you know, we we've we've had people that have wanted to hire us. You know, a couple of people on the board have wanted to hire us uh, and fire their current manager, and they haven't been able to convince the entire board. And so they've just thrown their hands up and actually resigned and said, "Hey." I can't, you know, I just can't work with you anymore. You know, I want to take this in a different direction. We need, we need to, to, to fix A, B, and C. Um, and so, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. If, if you're a board member, um, I mean, you know, my, my appreciation goes out to you. I mean, being a board member, and, and sometimes you go to these board meetings and people are throwing darts at you, you know, why are you doing this, 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 and this, right? It's easy to, it's easy to sit back and throw rocks at somebody, and, and these board members—I mean, they—they—they're uh, doing the best they can uh, to make decisions on behalf of everybody. Um, 
and uh, it's a thankless job for them too, right? They're not getting paid. They're volunteers. They're giving up their time, you know, in in kind of the uh, the goal of just enhancing and 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 raising the level of, of the whole neighborhood. So, I feel like every board has one person, right? They've got that one guy that where they're like, all right, like we're cool at the shed, but you got to get it through Jim, you know. If you can get it through Jim, you can get it through. You got to try to go talk to Jim. Um, maybe I'm just. I mean, I mean, maybe so. I haven't, I haven't heard heard of that or run across a situation like that. Um, but uh, so, what's your what's your ultimate take? HOA is good or bad? I think they're good. I think they're good. As a whole, it helps to to maintain uh, property values. And I think there's a lot of people that like to, you know, like you're saying, move into a neighborhood. It's well manicured. It's 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 taken care of. Um, You don't have to worry so much about your neighbors across the street next door, you know, throwing an old car on blocks and leave it there in the in the yard or or, you know, painting your house orange or, you know, doing anything too crazy. Right. Um, So. I think they do a lot of good, um, and it's and you know just looking at how um, you know the building and the developing industry works, um, people want that kind of stuff. They they want the amenities too. They want the the playgrounds and the parks and the pools. They want somewhere to go with their families and things like that. So I think I think there's a lot of good that comes from it. Kevin, are you are you pro HOA? I mean, I. I, I sit in the middle, right? I mean, I'm pro good HOA. And, I don't want to. It depends. Are you live in an HOA, or you live in a small I'm, HOA? I'm, I'm sitting solidly on the fence here, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, I, we're not going to get enough engagement, Kevin, unless you say something. Just you just got to throw a grenade. I'll, I'll, put, I'll, I'll, put it, I'll put it this way: I have never, in the past, and can't see myself ever in the future making a home buying decision based on there being an HOA or not. Um, That said, living in a neighborhood with an HOA has been great. Uh, I've lived in neighborhoods that didn't have HOAs and there were some of the issues, right? Uh, Houses that weren't kept up as well and and whatever. Um, But I just, I'm kind of like you, Eric, I'm not the guy to get bothered. Like if you've got your old Mustang up on cinder blocks in your driveway, like if you're not dealing drugs out of your house, I just, I'm, I'm, I don't care that much. So that's a long way of saying, like, I, I just, I don't have a strong stance, candidly, um, but I've never ended up in a place where it's mattered that much one way or the other, which, which could, I'm sure, sway me at some point. We had a neighbor in an HOA in Colorado and her house, like, we kind of sat, like, on a slope looking at Boulder, whatever, but so her house was kind of like, it overlooked our backyard sort of. I mean, there was distance between us, but she kind of looked down on our backyard the way that it was set up. And I was setting up the inflatable water slide like July 3rd, two year, two or three years ago for the kids. Looked up, and she was on her phone in the window, looking at the, <laughs> looking at the water slide, and then she kind of slid out of the camp, you know, and uh, I'm like, this crazy lady's calling me in. Uh, hilarious. Anyways, all right, Dave, let's switch gears, man. You might have to change topics. Let's do it. You are the undisputed uh, king of the reply guy 
on Twitter. I mean, I would say you are. So we, we had that thing not too long ago where it was something about fake accounts and you'd run the Twitter audit and it would show you like the quality of your follows. Right. You remember that? Yours was like disproportionately high quality follows, like compared to everybody else for for a small number account. Yes, you commented on it. You were like, "Look at look at me." Um, and it's because you've mastered this reply guy game. Is this a strategic? So, and I'll, I'll I'll explain what that means, Dave. Dave will respond to big accounts every tweet within a matter of seconds. So it's not very long that Dave's following you that, like, you know Dave really well, and eventually he wears you down. You're like, I hate this guy, but I'm going to follow him. Right? So you're buddies with, like, all these massive accounts, yet you, you rarely tweet any original material of your own. Am I right? Yeah, I don't send much. I think I think the last few months I've sent some more original stuff, but man, I don't have a whole lot of content that's worth. You know, I mean, I try to. <clears throat> I go back and forth. I'm like, man, I really, I really would like to. You know. I mean, Dave, I'm looking right now. You don't even have a tweet that's ever received more than 25 likes. <laughs> <laughs> Are you keeping receipts? <laughs> no, man, we're straight up. Hey, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sit here and let that, let that. No, that's okay. No, the, that's actually the not pain. True. I'm just gonna let that just wash over me right now. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that pain. No, I'm, um, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm, you got a couple that are are in the three four hundred like range. So I, I had a typo there, but yeah, it's you're, you're the master of this, like building relationship through responsiveness. It's a media game. I mean, tell us about that. I don't know. I mean, you got to do something, right? I mean, if you, you got to post somehow, either reply or original, you got to post if, if you want to try and make connections and meet people. I mean, I think it is pretty cool that Twitter exists and and um, it's kind of like this town square, right? People right. throwing ideas everywhere out and, and um, you know. If if you wanna if you wanna join in the conversation, you got to do something, right? Um, you know, I hey, my original content is pretty weak. Um, you know, I I wish I could share more business related stuff, but it really isn't that interesting. You know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> I mean, when you talk about when you talk about the 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 SMB world and and you know everybody talks about buying boring businesses. I mean. Hey, most of them are boring, really boring. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, I don't know what, what you could share on a daily basis. That's, that's really unique, you know, and I'm not this, um, you know, like these huge accounts where they're doing all this cool stuff and I don't know, doing crazy deals and, you know, whatever. I mean, <clears throat> I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm just, I'm just sitting here picking up the phone and answering emails all day. <laughs> well, you've, you've, you've at least got something interesting about your business that I do think people can learn from Dave. And, and that's it. In that we talk to a lot of like independent people searching alone and you launched your business. It sounds like, I think you said you had two other partners. So you, you yeah. from the start 
we're kind of a three three person team going out and building this business together. And I mean, you hear you hear the the horror stories all the time, and I I preach it to clients all the time. Like partnerships are are like relationships, right? They're they're great until they're not, and then when they're not, like things get really ugly. Um, yeah. so, uh, you, you've managed, I think you said 2016, so you're coming yeah. up either coming up on, or just rolled over seven years working together as a partnership, M- maybe unpack that a little bit for listeners and talk us yeah. through how you came together with your partners, you know, deciding to launch this business and how you've been able to run an effective partnership, um, you know, asking for a friend, uh, who, yeah. who may or not may or may not be in a dysfunctional partnership, but hey. uh, talk to me. <laughs> well, I mean, it's introduce me to this friend and let, know, let me know if you need a partner. <laughs> I mean, partnerships are tough, right? Um, and yeah. we don't always agree. Um, and, and there's some things that, you know, there's some times where, um, you know, when we don't agree that, that it gets tough, but you just, you know, for us, you just have to move forward. Um, and, and, you know, you're not going to get a hundred percent of, of what you think is going to, uh, be the, you know, what you think of course is best for the business. Um, but, but I've got two partners. I've known them, um, about 11 years. So we moved to, my family moved to San Antonio in 2012. Um, and I met those guys then, uh, I mean, we became friends and, um, and one of them had this idea to start a HOA management company. And he, he mentioned this to me, you know, over the course of a year or more. And I just kind of would brush it off. Like, you know, why would anybody want to do that? Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> what were you doing at the time, Dave? Uh, so I was working W2. Um, I have a finance background. Um, so I was uh, a finance director for a manufacturing company here in town. Um, did, did any of the three of you, like, were any of the three of you working in real estate or was this like a, was this a pivot for all of you? So one of my par- partners um, in, in a previous role did work for a HOA management company. Okay. Um, he worked for, for a company for a few years, left, um, and, and after he left, he's like, man, that would be something that, that I think we could launch and it would take off. Right. And, and I just, you know, I never had the expectation that, okay, we're going to launch this thing and it's going to do what it, what it's done so far. Just never had that expectation, you know, at the beginning, um, you know, we're all working outside the business and we're all working part time to try and launch this thing. Um, and you know, that was kind of a successful, uh, method for us. Um, you know, I think there's lots of ways to, to transition from the W2 world to, uh, the SMB world. There's lots of ways to do it. Um, but for us, kind of the, um, kind of the lowest risk was to, um, all kind of work part-time, um, you know, at nights and on the weekends, uh, to kind of make this thing work while we're juggling other jobs. Uh, so I'm the only one actually who's in the business full-time right now. Um, after this thing got some legs a few years ago, I left my W2 job and, and jumped in full time. Um, my other two partners, um, they don't work in the business. They have, uh, other jobs for their main source of income. And so, 
that's kind of our, our setup right now. Interesting. So how, how long, how long were you kind of bridging the, the part-time nights, weekends before you were all kind of in this business full-time together? Um, so for me, I juggled, uh, this, this company and what I was doing for about four years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's not that long ago that you, I mean, you said you started so, in 20. Yeah. Just a few years ago, um, I went in full time and man, it's something that I struggled with for a long time. I really wanted to get into business. I, I struggled, uh, working my job and trying to focus on this business. Um, and as it grew, it commanded more and more of my time and attention. Right. And I couldn't give it that attention, and it was just such a struggle. And um, and my wife doesn't work outside the home. I've got, you know, this, you know, my W two job was pretty much my only income. Um, I mean, the first couple of years we're just trying to survive. I mean, nobody's taking money out of the business. We're just trying to survive. It's not really, you know, it's not really giving us much of anything. Um, and uh, you know, I I was like, man, this is this is really tough. I really want to do this. Um, but financially I'm really nervous because, you know, I don't have any other income source. Um, I've got two kids that are starting, starting college soon. I mean, just, just some family stuff. Um, and so I struggled with it for, for probably a good 12 months, um, before I finally, before I finally said, um, <clears throat> I can't do it anymore. You know, yeah. um, I'm going to. You know, even if it, even if I have to take a financial hit in the short term, um, you know, what I want to do is give the business, you know, a hundred percent my time and attention. Is it a good, is that a good business? You like the model? I do, I do, I I really do. Um, you know, one of the advantages I think when we had launching it is just um, the fact that there's a low bar. Um, with, with management companies. And I think this is, this is the case with with any kind of service business is you're going to have, you know, you're going to have a low bar. You're going to have a lot of players that, that really aren't, um, doing the little things, um, to take care of their people. Um, you're going to have some, you know, you're going to have some good operators. And, and so in this market, we've got two or three really tough competitors and good operators that we go head to head against all the time. Uh, but then there's, there's several that, you know, whenever, whenever we get a, a phone call or, I've, or whenever we know we're going head to head against a certain company for a bid that we're going to win it. Um, and so, um, it's, it's a good business to be in. Uh, there's recurring revenue every month with the management fees. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty sticky, uh, and it's not going away. I mean, there's, there's just not going to be, uh, you know, a situation where all these neighborhoods and communities are just going to disband their HOAs. Right. Right. What, what are the bottlenecks? Is it actually servicing the contracts or? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a labor intensive business. Um, and so we've got, it, we've have it set up where we have a, a property manager, uh, who might oversee, uh, five or six properties. 
and then we have a, a, an operations team uh, and a financial team. Um, you know, but there's subcontracting, you know, there's lawn care and all that. That's sub. That's oh, awesome. yeah, yeah. We're 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 100% managing the vendors. You know, lawn yeah. care, pool. So you just have a core team that is managing vendors. Yeah, yeah, we have a core team, um, and you know, as as you scale up, things get easier. So. Interesting. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I mean, it's it's HOA, right? I mean, um, I like recurring revenue. Um, yeah, I do too. I do too. I I don't know how people um, operate otherwise. You know, having to. Yeah, Eric. How do people operate otherwise? I mean, we're project- How do you guys? How do you guys do it? How do you guys do it? Um. You just kind of do, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think what people realize is that, or, or come to find out, is that Main Street operators, high-quality Main Street operators, have more than enough work, even if you're project-based. And the bottlenecks in your business are not marketing and developing business. It's almost always servicing the business. I mean, every, every business we help people buy and sell, I mean, the the SIM says your opportunities are to you know, to, to expand the, the team and take more work, almost always. Um, but, it, you know, it does ebb and flow, right? And so it's hard to hire and make projections and do things when you don't necessarily know how much work is coming through the door. And Kevin and I are pretty thoughtful guys, and we don't want to hire people that we can't ultimately, you know, we've got folks who have advised us to hire aggressively and yada, yada, and scale aggressively. And to date, and maybe it's our business amateur nature, Kevin, I don't know, but uh, we've been, we've been reluctant to to be too aggressive because we don't want to put people in a situation where we can't ultimately support them because it is project-based. If it was recurring and there was something to actually count on, then we'd probably feel differently. So that creates some, some issues with the scalability of a project-based business. Right. Well, I mean, from an outsider's perspective, it seems like you guys have grown pretty aggressively in the last, you know, six or nine months. Um, As far as as hiring and and, and adding staff. I don't don't necessarily think you're wrong. I think to Eric's point is um, if we weren't a little more circumspect, it could have been faster, right? The, The demand was there that we could have, turned quicker and we could scale quicker, but we're more interested in building something sustainable, being able to support our people. And we'd rather be turning deals away than taking every deal that comes through the door and just adding bodies to, to run the deals. Um, and then find ourselves in a place where we don't necessarily have the, you know, the, the type of people that we want on the team. Um, you know, we're, we're, have to ride a, you know, a dip in kind of demand and, and things like that. So um, I don't necessarily think you're wrong for being yeah. 13, 14 months into, into launching our law firm, um, you know, to go from three founding partners to, I think our all in team is what, like 11 or 12. He's 13, 13, 13 including um, Alfred. You know, it's fast. It, it is. Yeah. It is. That's, that's, that's a, that's a, you know, it's a pretty big staff. Yeah. I mean, at least, from six months ago, right? You've you've added. Well, and with, you know, there's beauty. I think there was a, a recent discussion about do you add high quality? How many high quality people can you add, right? Because at some point, 
you know, you can't, not every hire can be a rock star hire because at some point you can't afford them anymore. You can't scale off of rock stars, right? Um, and maybe I shouldn't be talking about this publicly, but to date we've built a team off of complete and total rock stars. Every single person is ridiculously disproportionately high quality to a small, you know, a, a startup of our nature. And I think it's a testament to branding and social media and the environment that we're in with the opportunity with the, the labor force and whatever else. But um, uh, it, it's gone extraordinarily well. And to me, it doesn't feel like we've grown aggressively because everybody is so on top of their stuff right. um, that I haven't felt like I've got to hold hands or whatever else. Um, but we probably, I mean, just given the sheer numbers, I mean, we found ourselves playing defense a lot and probably hiring later than we should be. Um, and we're probably in that position right now even. But I'd rather do that than be overly aggressive and end up having a few people be in bad positions with, with not, not enough work. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I mean, it's – hey, I, I'm impressed. You guys have put, uh, you know, put together something pretty cool, I think. What um, – well, you're going to be you pissed to sh- find out our next venture is actually HOA management. That's not a real thing. Oh, you know, that, that, business, that business is horrible. I would yeah, if you send us a list of your clients, Dave, so we can. Who would do that? It's horrible. It's Tell horrible. us about the gross margins. Uh, okay. <laughs> what um, – I had a question I was going to ask you. So what – if you could share – I mean, I know you guys are big on Twitter and a lot of your business. I mean, your business is pretty much launched off Twitter, right? I mean, almost entirely, right, Kevin? I, I mean, mean, so what What percent of your business is Twitter-based? Like if Twitter goes down tomorrow, what does that change for you? Well, I, I think – well, I think we're in a better position now than we were three months ago or six months ago because we've got now some pretty meaningful um, inroads on LinkedIn. We, we have a really incredible PR team. Uh, no, shout out to Notably PR and Carly and Karen um, that do an amazing job and have gotten us in American Express and a bunch of stuff. In fact, we've got a press release going out tomorrow um, just announcing a few of our new hires and we got interest from, I think they said Reuters, Bloomberg, Law360 and Law.com, which are all respectively like pretty heavy hitting uh, publications. And so they're doing a really good job of diversifying us off of social media. Um, I mean, it, it wouldn't be good, right? Um, and, I, and we thought about this when it wouldn't. I mean, can't, I mean, I don't think it's a surprise to anybody that like, hey, we're, you know, we're active I mean- on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, am I going to see, am I going to see you guys on TikTok soon? Or? Uh, yes, absolutely. But only dancing. We don't plan to do any legal content. It's just going to be Eric dancing. I, so I would dance on TikTok now if Kevin would let I me. Want, I want to see some TikTok videos of Eric just eating stuff. Well, wait a second. So can we get audio? Cause our chief of staff, David, who actually, you know, this may or may not be public, but he, Happens to be my my much younger brother. He is, he's gone. He takes my content and he posts it up. Really? And he voices over. Super loud. Uh, he voices over it and he's gone viral a few times. Really uh, on TikTok? On TikTok. Yeah. 
Yeah. So don't sleep. Um, so he goes by Bio Biz. Can you guys see this? He goes by Bio Biz on TikTok, and he took he took one of my threads. Oh, so this is a new one. Boomers are retiring. Finally, this creates an opportunity for us. Yeah. As many of them. Oh, let's back it up. I love this. I don't think it's necessarily your threads. I think what he's doing is taking your playbook of like what you do but... well no but so some of them were just literally my threads but we'll, I'll come okay which is which is great right i don't if anybody's gonna steal my content it's, it's david you know but so here, here he's listening what the beginning goes so boomers are retiring the boomers are retiring finally but this creates an opportunity for us because many of them own profitable small businesses and now they have to Wait, hold on. So, so that has eighty-four thousand views, Dave. I mean, that's really, yeah, yeah, that's massive. And then he's got another one. Where is no, it? That's that's oh, this, smart this, of them. This, that's this, smart this, of them. This, this, this is kind of crazy. This is a three-way. Okay, this is kind of crazy. This is a boating business in freaking Hawaii. Hawaii. That makes just shy of a million a year and is only selling for $2.3 million. Oh, and it's 22 years old, so it's yeah, probably seven, pretty stable. 70 it's something thousand. Anywhere. You could probably views. buy the, the topic is interesting everywhere. Like, pe- people everywhere are yeah. fascinated. And you, if you look at like financial influencers on YouTube or whatever, right? This whole idea of like how easy it is to go out there and make money on your own terms just resonates hugely and this is such an interesting unique spin on it now putting aside the whole like this is definitely not easy to do but it's it's easy in a 30 second tiktok to make it sound like yeah go buy this business live in your dream place in hawaii and boom you're printing millions of dollars like that resonates with people right well and it, it, that's that's fantastic you know it's it's you know it's cody right i love her or some people you know have issues with cody i think what she's doing is great. Top of funnel, she's just spreading a message about the an opportunity to, you know, a different way throughout to entrepreneurship. And I mean, I, I think it's fantastic. Listen, and if, you know, if this is getting spread out and then one dude who runs a boring business, private equity fund in Park City's Utah is like, hey, I'm going to call these guys and do, you know, do a deal. Like, I think that's an amazing thing. I mean, that's not the objective necessarily, but um, yeah, TikTok. So Dave's gonna be the next TikTok reply guy. I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't ever go on TikTok. I don't have the app. I don't do any of that stuff. But I just think it's funny. It's so I I believe that there are varying levels of of addictive addictiveness and problematicness in social media, and it's anything from text to video text to visual the more visual it becomes i think the more problematic it becomes that's my own personal theory because it becomes very uh enticing once it's um it's visual and it also i mean breeds all the envy and jealousy and comparison stuff that's the real i think the worst parts of social media whereas on twitter I know that Elon's trying to move it in that direction and add video and all that, but I mean, right now it's largely just written content, which is not particularly sexy. You know, it's why you got to say crazy shit. Like spending a thousand bucks for a Taylor Swift ticket is a stupid thing to do to get people to listen to you for a minute. So 
<laughs> you know, if I don't, if I did not have teenage daughters, I probably would not even know Taylor Swift existed. <laughs> she's she is an objectively average artist at best. I'm kidding. I, she's a she's she's great. She's great. Taylor's great. Awesome. Yeah, I've got I, my oldest daughter. Um, my oldest daughter is really questioning if I really love her because I did not send her to go see Taylor Swift. So she's well. Yeah, I just looked pretty, at the, pretty upset with me. Yeah, so I just picked up some. I uh, picked up four tickets to the Cincinnati show. So we're gonna fly the PJ up there and see her in Cincinnati on Saturday night. And <laughs> um. Just hopping on your citation. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it was it was thirteen before thirteen hundred before StubHub fees. So I think it was like sixteen and some change out the door per ticket, four tickets. But we're at the front end of the upper bowl, so like we we can at least we can see down to the stage and everything, which will be nice because some of the seats behind us had like you know you can you can barely see past the people in front of you. So I think it'll be good. I legitimately can't tell if you're kidding right now, Eric. Let's find out. I think he's serious. I think he's waiting for the Instagram posts. Yeah, monitor your socials for the uh, for the look at me Instagram posts that I'll throw up for you guys. Um, well, Dave, what what what's next for you? Uh, is this are, are you retiring off HOA management? Or are you looking to? grow the management company you're looking to eventually exit and do something else like what's what's phase three or six or whatever whatever the next yeah phase that's is. that's a good question um i think uh the most likely outcome for us is just to continue to invest in the business and to grow yeah. it um you know i've <clears throat> i have reached out to um, other small companies about, um, you know, an acquisition, that sort of thing. Um, in fact, this one, it's weird. This one company, um, <clears throat> I was talking to the owner last year and <clears throat> he says, okay, let's, let's connect again in January. And I reached out to him in January, called, left messages, um, and nothing. The guy just completely ghosted me. <laughs> and I don't know if he... That's an acquisition target or somebody you want to, to buy you? Just just a target. Just a, a target. target. A, a smaller oh. company than ours. Um, and, I mean, just completely ghosted me. And I'm just like, this is weird. I mean, I don't know if the guy got hit by a bus or... Well, so he, he, he had expressed interest in being acquired previously. Right. That's, so that's correct. He's, he's probably he's probably got a non-solicit or uh, sorry, he's probably under exclusivity with another buyer. He can't talk to you. Right. Oh, really? He can't. He Maybe. can't just say he can't say I'm not interested anymore. Can't say anything. Really? I mean, it'd be, it would be in his best interest to not say anything. it depends on what the words in the exclusivity provision say. But to me, I would just I'd be radio silent. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be wow. what it is. Wow. Highly possible. That, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, well, Time will tell. Yeah, it's it's something that we've looked at is, um, you know, some of the companies are run so differently and the structure is so differently. And so, um, 
I'm actually a little bit, a little bit nervous when, when I look at an acquisition and say, okay, would it be a good fit? Yeah. Because yeah. I don't want to walk into something that's a complete mess or, 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 a, or a company that operates completely differently than how we do business. Um, and so I don't know. I've got, I've got some, I've got some cold feet about that, but you know, our well, plan is to make a run at first service residential so we can lower our fees and also you can clear the, the backlog of all my late payments. Then that would be, uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll put together a big, Eric needs an insider to get the lean off his home. Yeah. 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 <laughs> first service is a big, they're a big national company. There's, there's there's a handful of like big national ones, and then you've got a couple of regional ones, and you got a, a you got a lot of small players. There's a lot of like um, you know husband and wife kind of type players too. It's crazy. Um. All right, that's the pod. Thanks, Dave. It was fun chat with you. That was good. Thanks, yeah, guys. Dave. Appreciate it. it was a good combo. Appreciate you jumping on. Always good to catch up. What are you coming to Love. Dallas, man? Are we done? Are we off? Chicken sandwich. I don't know if we're done. We're, I think we're still going. Um, are we still going? Yeah, oh, I, I need to. I need to get up there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mundane Millionaires. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, make sure to follow Mundane Millionaires wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. See you next time.